one of the fun things when we have our youth go away on a youth retreat is uh, to have a, a chance to uh, just hear back from them, but also uh, we want to see this, the Lord continue to work in them, move on them. Uh, and I think the youth have something to, uh, I don't think they do, have something to give us, to impart uh, to us. So uh, after uh, service, at the end of service today, I want to give the youth a chance to pray for us. And uh, I actually want to be first in line to be prayed for by the youth because uh, there's just something when uh, the Spirit of God is, is working uh, with them that uh, we should also desire some of that. So anyway, uh, Jeff, if uh, you want to come up and share with some of the, with some of the youth want to share, or, or what did you? <clears throat> come on up, move along this way. Well, we're really blessed. Uh, come on up, guys. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, right before uh, the winter break, there were 22 youth that went to the retreat, and we had a great experience. Some of them uh, are probably working in the kids' zone, right, Aurelie? Some, some of them are, are already working right now. But I uh, wanted to take a few minutes and let them share a couple things that, that happened along the way at the retreat. I've got a couple of stories planned out here already. Um, Lily, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the retreat meant for you? Um, so a lot of cool things happened with God, but for the girls... We spent a lot of time bonding together and made really close friendships over the weekend. Good. So we decided that now um, on Sundays after church, we're all going to go to someone's house and hang out and just do stuff together to build closer friendships. They won't tell you if they're coming to your house. No. <laughs> Anthony. So... Four years ago, I, I went on my first retreat as one of the younger kids in the youth group, and this year I'm one of the older, one of the more older kids-ish. <laughs> but it's just really cool to see the kids who just came into the youth group and how they were affected on this retreat, and just how God moved inside them. It's really inspiring. Uh, so this, ever since I was old enough to go on a retreat, I was there. I was there, like, in, like, instantly, I was there. And so over, over the course of a few years, I've met people, I've known people my age who have the same desire and want for Jesus. And just being able to see them, to be with them, to connect with them, to, like, share our struggles and our stories and our hardships and be able to be together. And, like, I remember when you went through this and now you look awesome. Like, now now you're just so on fire for God. And just, and definitely what Anthony said, like, with, with the younger kids in the youth group, just being able to pray with them, for them, seeing them praying for other people and people being healed and just their eyes just lighting up. And just, like, there's something amazing happening. And I'm just I'm just waiting for it to happen, just over and over and over again. So that so this retreat is great. I just if you have youth that didn't go, encourage them, encourage them to go because it's life changing. It's it's very important. And so yeah, yeah. That's all I have to say. So yeah. So we want to say thank you. Um, over a thousand dollars was given uh, towards a youth group from different folks in the church, and we want to say thank you that enabled so many of us to go. 
and, and be a part of it. There were about 700 youth that were vineyard churches from around the region. It was the largest group ever gathering uh, in this region. And we just, again, saw the power of God just fall upon our kids and upon on the folks that were there. So thank you for making it possible. Appreciate it. Bless you guys. You know, sometimes when you just had a good, uh, like, family gathering, it's hard to articulate specifically why it was so encouraging. Uh, but it, part of it is seeing God move in power. Part of it is hanging with your peers. Part of it is being inspired by other kids that are your own age doing awesome things. So, uh, you know, these things uh, give life uh, to the youth and, the, and it should. And uh, today I actually want to look at uh, what are the things that suck the life out of you uh, and uh, how do we manage that? And alternatively, what are the things that give us life? Uh, but uh, it's uh, sort of normal life, as it were, to experience the ups and downs uh, of just being human. And uh, we have to deal with uh, the ups and downs of life. Sometimes uh, it's faraway things that feel like it's just a dark cloud that hangs over us. Um, many of you uh, probably follow international news and uh, you know you see what's happening in Russia and uh, recently Vladimir Putin's uh, opposition leader was shot right in front of the Kremlin you know so here you see like okay a, a worrying kind of a power uh, building uh, back to the sort of the Cold War it's not a, a pleasant thought and then the Middle East we've got ISIS and uh, you know teenagers uh, or not just teenagers but uh, College kids uh, leaving Britain or America to try and sign up to be part of uh, ISIS. And, uh, you know, these are just sort of troubling times. It's uh, like a, a dark cloud. Uh, but uh, unless you know somebody personally at, that's a little distant, it's not, hopefully, it's not uh, very personal. But uh, if you're a teenager in high school and you're battling to connect in with a group or you're trying to be part of a sports team and uh, there's a little clique that's formed and uh, you can't get in, uh, that is, you know, drains the life out of you. It, it, it's all consuming for you. Uh, or if you are new to the high school, you moved into this area from elsewhere and you're trying to make friends and, you know, you're just not connecting in well or you're in a class that uh, you don't have a whole bunch of friends and you're trying to break in. And, you know, if you can't uh, connect, if there's a lack of relationship or friendship, it, it just sucks the life out of you. And uh, even worse, if, uh, if you're being picked on uh, by others and uh, you have to go back to school the next day and you just feel like you're being uh, belittled or bullied, it just drains you. And in a similar way, uh, it's draining uh, if you're in a marriage that's just not healthy, that's not working. Now, look, I'm a big fan of the institution of marriage and, and uh, pro-marriage. You know, let's have great marriages. But on the other hand, if you're in a marriage that's just hurting, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a, a nightmare. You, you, you can't get out. Uh, You've uh, you got to deal with a lot of uh, the frustration. And uh, we have to be honest and realize that it happens to Christians as well. It's not only, uh, you know, others or outsiders. 
I mean, it's just a lot of things in life which uh, really drain us and suck the life out of us. And uh, the other institution which I'm a big fan of besides marriage is the church. And uh, church should be a life-giving. Uh, it is God's uh, vehicle for being the light uh, of the world. Uh, the church is uh, the means uh, and the place where God uh, you know, dwells, where he builds his people up, where he uh, teaches, where we're supposed to experience love. And uh, often church can be draining too. It, it can have a negative experience. And uh, I'm saying all of this not to make you depressed, but uh, to, you know, to make you realize the reality of life. Uh, Jesus experienced this. Uh, you know, think about Jesus with his disciples. I mean, he's trying to explain to him, listen, I'm going to be crucified and I'm going to die. And uh, what, is he, what are his disciples worried about? Am I going to be the greatest? Or is he going to be the greatest? Uh, what is going to make to be, you know, they're worrying about who's going to be the greatest. I mean, how do you think Jesus felt when he's about to be crucified and the disciples are squabbling about who's going to be the greatest? I mean, you know, that's his disciples. Uh, and then we look at what happens in the church, and it's sort of also not a pretty picture. I mean, again, I'm a big fan of the church, but we need to kind of hold in reality that the church, like the disciples, are made up of real humans which make real mistakes. Uh, look what happened in the Corinthians church. Uh, Paul, the apostle, had to uh, tell them, look, stop suing each other. You know, uh, it's just not good if you both believe in Jesus that you're taking each other to court and suing each other. Stop it. Uh, and then when it came to church service, I mean, they didn't have microphones in those days, but they had the same disease where everybody wanted to be like on, you know, talking in the mic. Yeah, just let me uh, give you a song. Uh, let me have a prophetic word. No, I want to preach. Uh, no, I've got another prophetic word. In fact, I want to talk in tongues. And, you know, Paul has to say, listen, can you have some order in the church service? I mean, can you think of others, not just how great you are and how great your gifting is. Like, can we have some order here? I mean, that was the Corinthian church. And then if you look at the Galatians church, look what it says in Galatians 5.15. Uh, again, the Apostle Paul. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. I mean, it's just like, okay, this is not a great church service. Uh, and then you go over to the Philippian church, and Paul says to these two women, which are just at odds at each other, you know, Philippians 4.2, he says, listen, girls, let's sort it out. I mean, you know, get over the problems. I mean, let's move on. Uh, let's not keep fighting. And then if you look what Paul has to say to the Ephesian church, uh, he says this, he says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Okay, so here's Paul. He's saying, listen, I'm just giving everything I've got for Jesus. I just want to serve him. I'm his prisoner. I'm his servant. I want to do everything possible. I'm the one which has started these churches. Uh, you know, I just want to see these churches flourish and be blessed. And then he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, 
binding yourselves together with peace. Now, Paul wasn't saying these things because they were doing it. He had to like encourage them. Okay, get with the program. You know, love each other, have some uh, patience with each other, work and serve each other. Uh, what's draining you right now? Or who's draining you right now? Or what situation is draining you right now? Uh, you know, uh, you don't need like half an hour to think this up. I mean, uh, you just two seconds is long enough. Like, okay, this person or this situation, it's really like draining me. Uh, and if you don't have anything that's draining you, don't try and invent anything. You're okay. Just like, don't have to think too hard. <laughs> You're blessed. <laughs> this is what I want to get out of this, uh, this uh, sermon today. I want to minimize the things that are sucking life out of you and uh, help you to deal with that. And I want to maximize the good life that Jesus wants to pour into you because he wants to pour in a good life uh, despite the reality of the circumstances in which we live. Uh, let me just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Uh, Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence. Uh, speak to our hearts. I just pray that you would... Uh, give hope to each person present today that there would be a sense of uh, your comfort, that uh, you will be with us. And Lord, I just pray that you would empower me to preach your word, both the easy things and the hard things. But Lord, uh, I just ask that uh, as I preach, you put power on my words and you would change us and shape us to become the people uh, you want us to be. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, it is encouraging that uh, the disciples, for the most part, other than Judas, turned out, turned out to be pretty awesome. You know, they got over themselves uh, wanting to be the greatest and whatever. Uh, if you've got a bulletin, why don't you open that up? And I've got a, a bulletin insert there. I... Uh, want to make two points here. The first one is recognizing what is causing life to be drained from you. And uh, I just want to read this uh, section out of, um, out of James. James chapter 4 as we're working through uh, James. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you, don't, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Uh, you know... It's sort of an ugly recognition of our personality and our situation. And uh, when we left to our own, we tend to be je jealous. We tend to want what others have got. And if we look at that on an uh, international scale, you could say, well, it looks like uh, you know, the Russian President uh, Putin is doing like a land grab and working his way into Ukraine and he's you know, desiring things that uh, he, sh he shouldn't be desiring. Uh, but those don't just happen when you come into power. 
uh, there's something that had happened at every stage of our life. Uh, there's something that he obviously would have had at a younger age uh, when he wasn't in power, that there's some part of his personality or our personality which is saying we want what we can't have. Uh, and this is not a good thing. Uh, if we look at the Ten Commandments, uh, this Old Testament, this is Exodus chapter 20, the 10th the commandment uh, says we shouldn't covet. Now, uh, for many, uh, you'd read the 10 commandments and you say, okay, there's some really serious commandments, and then there's some like real lesser ones like don't covet. No, but we really need not to murder people or you know, cause adultery or steal. But, you know, coveting... But, you know, if you think of it, uh, coveting is actually, could be the root of all the, causing you to break all the Ten Commandments. In fact, if you just read the Tenth Commandment in, in its entirety, you kind of get that it covers a lot of the other ones. Let me just read it to you. This is Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. You must not covet your neighbor's house. Okay, so your neighbor's got a nice house. You're living next to the Joneses, don't covet the Joneses' house. Just yours is good enough. And then it says, you must not covet your neighbor's wife. Oh, wait a bit. Don't covet your neighbor's wife. You know, this could lead to adultery. Uh, don't covet his ma your, male, his, your neighbor's male or female servant. Or his ox. Let's just say his BMW. Uh, yeah. The upgraded version of the Bible. <laughs> I'm sure not too many of you are coveting your neighbor's ox or donkey, but, you know, his BMW or snowblower, that's right. <laughs> twelve horsepower snowblower, you know. Forget about your seven horsepower. He's got a twelve. That throws it over the bank. At this point, you can't even get a snow rake out of the thing. You're coveting your neighbor's snow rake. I mean, it's like anything will do. But, uh, you know, we shouldn't covet these things. And if we do, yeah, I mean, we cause us to break all the other commandments. We start stealing. We, uh, you know, put money in, in place of God. So we change our, our allegiance. We start worshiping money instead of God. I mean, it, it this... This broken nature that we have where we get jealous of what other people have or jealous of their stuff or uh, want in a negative way what we can't have, uh, it's just not a good thing. I mean, if you, you know, live next to the Joneses and you finally catch up and you get the BMW like they do and you get the 12-horsepower snowblower like they do, then what do you find that your, the Joneses do? They refinance. <laughs> and you have to do it all again. I mean, it's just like tiring. It's exhausting trying to keep up with the Joneses. Don't do it. But it's not just, it's not just uh, coveting things. It's also uh, God wants us to be uh, truth-tellers. He wants us to be comfortable with our current uh, status uh, and not try and get ahead, you know, using devious means. Uh, it's interesting, there was a study done by the University of Massachusetts 
And it said this, it said, 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. Okay, let me read that again. 60% of adults can't have a 10-minute conversation without lying at least once. And then, you know, you see this sort of playing out on a national scale with uh, NBC News, Brian Williams, you know, I mean, just has to just embellish a little bit. and you know, it just, It's just not good. I mean, it's, it's not what God wants us to do. It, it's not the way he wants us to live. Uh, there's something that... Uh, God really does want us to control our thoughts, our actions, uh, our responses, the way we live, uh, and to have a sense of, uh, you know, commitment to God where we feel like, you know, God can change our circumstances. If, if we need to be in a better position, God can get us there. Uh, if we need to uh, be in a different place, God can help us. Uh, we don't have to... Uh, illegally, forcefully, by devious means, try and get ahead. Yes, we can do what we need to do, you know, what we should do on our own. Uh, God's not asking us to just sit at home and do nothing and then just, you know, expect Him to open the doors. But do it ethically, honestly, in above, uh, you know, board uh, kind of a way. Uh, often I think we get a concept mixed up where God wants us to use things and love people, uh, not use people, you know, and love things. And uh, we get this mixed up. We think that people aren't important. And for God, people are really, really important. Uh, and it's, it's also not that God doesn't want us to have good things. God does want us to have good things. He just doesn't want us to get them through wrong methods. I mean, look what it says in Timothy 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to put their trust in money, which is so unreliable. In contrast, he says, their trust should be in God. Now look at this. Who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. I mean, God's heart is one where he wants to richly give us all that we need for our enjoyment. That's the heart of God. And uh, if we understand God that way as a loving, caring, giving God, uh, it is the way that God wants us uh, to see him. Now, the question would be, well, how's our life uh, lining up on this? Uh, let's look at the other points I'm making your bulletin, recognize the cure for receiving life in Jesus. You know, how do we experience this life in Jesus. And uh, James, being the practical person that he is, uh, doesn't have to write a whole book about this. He just says it in a sentence. He says, he says here in, in James chapter 4, it's in the middle of verse 2, yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I mean, how's that for a simple solution? James is saying, we don't get what we want because we don't ask God for it. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I mean, it's a funny sense that, uh, you know, we don't really know how to pray. I mean, we don't really know how to ask God. Uh, when we do pray, uh, some of us have a mistake of, like, telling God what he needs to do. Well, God, you need to give this to me. You need to provide this for me. You know, it's like, 
some other God's going to answer, or you hope he's going to answer your prayer of what God needs to be doing. But uh, James says we should ask God, indeed. But it's asking God uh, to sort of figure out what is God doing and how can we be part of what God is doing. Uh, look at the rest of this uh, verse, verse 3. He says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So James is, you know, he's a pastor. He's leading a big church in Jerusalem, and he's seen people's personalities. He knows that people want to hear from God. He knows people want to have God answer their prayer. And he's saying, please pray. Please ask God. That's, that's not a bad thing. But we kind of have to line up our prayers with the right motives. Uh, if you're just asking God for pleasure and the easy life and, you know, play golf down in Florida, you know, and that's your idea of, of living, then that's probably not going to be the prayer that God really wants off to answer. But if you're asking God, like, God, what is it that you're doing? Uh, who is it that you want me to help love? Uh, God, how can I be part of what it is that you're doing in church? Uh, could I do something here that would really make a difference, that if I didn't show up you know, for several Sundays, people would really notice that there's a difference, you know, like something's missing? Uh, those type of prayers, God loves to answer. Uh, who can you serve? Who can you help? Who is it that needs love or help? Uh, God likes to answer those type of prayers. And uh, we, should be, we should be asking God those sort of prayers. Uh, when our prayer is, God, I need to win the lottery, you know, that's like, wow, okay, we, we broke. I mean, we're we looking for hope in the, so the wrong place or, you know, some other magic trick or some like quick fix or, you know, if that's our prayer, that's not what God really wants us to be uh, investing in and, and praying in. Uh, and we shouldn't forget uh, John 10.10. 10. I know I seem to quote this verse almost every second week, but it's a good verse. Uh, Jesus says this, and I'm going to reverse the order. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. I mean, that's Jesus' promise to us. I want to give you a rich and satisfying life. But in that same verse, he says, but the thief's purpose is to steal and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. You know, so there's, a, there's, there's a, an attack or there's an activity in the spiritual realm going both ways. Uh, God wanting to uh, have our support and we work with him and the enemy trying to rob, steal, and destroy. And uh, we, we should have the smarts to, to realize that and to, you know, to, make it, to realize what makes a difference. Uh, often, uh, when I'm doing a, a funeral... Uh, you really get to know people and get to know what other people thought of them. And, uh, you know, at a funeral, you might hear people say, well, so-and-so accomplished this or ran this marathon or did this. And, you know, it's like, whoopee-doo, it's great. But then you hear other people say, well, this person really made a difference to me. Uh, you know, this person helped me out in this way or this person gave me a chance or this person, you know, when I was sort of low man on the totem pole, uh, helped me out. And when you hear those sort of stories, you realize, wow, 
uh, that's when you realize who's made a huge difference in someone's life. And uh, those are typically the, the, the church services that just have a lot of people attending them. You know, when someone's just served and loved and try to help other people. But uh, I remember doing, you know, a service here, one a person in our church who was an engineer, and he was extremely quiet. I mean, just nobody would, you know, know him. And then at, the, at his service, it was a fairly small service, as I expected it to be. But, you know, people would stand up and just say, wow, this person gave me, uh, the, the person that died, he, he just was so incredible in the workplace, and he really helped me out, and he, he just saw something in me, and he invested in me, and he trusted me, and, I, and the person said, I don't even know why he, he trusted in me, why, what he saw in me. And you say, wow, here's somebody that's made a difference. You know, it really, it really counted. And so uh, I would like us to, you know, just think about this. Uh, what is it that's sucking the life out of you? And how do we receive the life of Jesus to live the life that he's promising us, the fullness of life? How do we, how do we deal with both of those things at the same time? Uh, why don't we do this little quick exercise? I'm going to just, you don't have to do it, but it's a bit, bit quick and it doesn't involve anybody else. So just you and God. Uh, you can just hold your hands up. We're going to do palms up, palms down, palms up. Uh, so palms up, uh, just whatever is a heaviness in your heart, whatever's the person or the thing or whatever's just sucking the life out of you. Just It's helpful to articulate it in, your, you know, in the quietness of your own mind and uh, just say, Lord, this is frustrating me. This is really sucking the life out of me. Uh, this is just a difficulty in my life right now. And uh, just reverse your palms, just turn your hands over, out, let that just drop out of your hand. Jesus, we just uh, let this go. We just give it to you. We just uh, acknowledge uh, we can't do it on our own. And uh, we just give you the situation, this person, this physical affliction. We just give it to you. And Lord, uh, we just confess our own sin in whatever form it is. If we've coveted things or we've done things uh, in a roundabout manner which is devious or uh, we haven't been uh, seeking you, we've been seeking things or using people. Lord, we just acknowledge that. Uh, Lord, we acknowledge where we've said things that are hurtful. And we just acknowledge that that's not helpful. And as you turn your palms uh, up again, we just invite the presence of God. Jesus, we just ask that uh, you would forgive us for our mistakes, our, our sin, our um, willingness to try and just look at ourselves and build ourselves up and ignore others. Lord, we just ask you to fill us up. And Lord, once again, we just ask you to help us to follow you, uh, to put you first and the things that are a priority, a priority for you that would become a priority for us. Uh, Lord, help us to get our lives in alignment with you once again. 
And Lord, we just ask. We ask for your involvement in our lives. Lord, and I ask for your blessing on your people. That they would experience your love afresh. They would experience hope again. And Lord, they would experience peace because you've given it. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. As you come up for uh, communion, uh, I just encourage you, you can do it as a family. Um, I know we, some of you are gluten intolerant and there's... Uh, communion bread here that doesn't have gluten. But think about uh, what Christ has done for you, that he has indeed died for your sins. I mean, he hung out with his disciples. He had enough patience and tolerance to deal with you know, his disciples, which were worried about who's going to be the greatest. Uh, you know, their childish sort of behavior. The immature lives. Jesus was willing and excited and desirous of building them up. And likewise with you. Uh, Jesus is not so concerned about how you've messed up. He's very concerned about how he can build you up if you'll let him. And as you come forward for communion, uh, again, just ask the Lord to fill you up. Uh, you are acknowledging that uh, you can't do it without Jesus, and you're desiring that Jesus would be the person that lifts you up and guides you and actually speaks to you. So as we do communion, uh, let's just ask for the presence of God uh, and let's reflect on what he's done on the cross, that he's promised us uh, these things. So come on up uh, when you're ready. And uh, then after that, we're going to have some prayer time. So, Lord Jesus, I just thank you that you died on the cross intentionally. Lord, and you died so that we could have relationship with the Father. And you died telling us that you would send us your Holy Spirit so that we would not be left alone. And Lord, uh, you have desired us to have a full, satisfying life, which we get by serving you, by following you, by doing what you want us to do. Thank you, Jesus. Allow us, Lord, to just leave at the cross all our wrongdoing our misguided thinking, our bad actions. And Lord, allow us to walk away clean with your promises, with life restored, with relationship renewed. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, uh, you can continue to just... Uh, pray and be with the Lord, but I, I want to do a little uh, prayer exercise here with the youth uh, because they were on retreat, so I uh, kind of desirous for them to risk a little bit at our expense, so to speak.
so this is what I'd, I'd like to do. Uh, the youth don't have to do this, but if they would like to do this, um, I would like those that would like to pray for us, and I want to be the first one because I just know the Lord often works powerfully through the youth. And uh, so if you would like the youth to pray for you prophetically, so what that means is this. Uh, if we stand up the, along a line here, and the youth can just walk down, and if they feel like they want to say something to us, they just say it. If they feel like the Lord wants to say something to us, they just say it. And uh, we've got to have the graciousness to know if they're right, that's great, praise the Lord. And if they're wrong, well, they're in practice, <laughs> they're training, you know. So uh, uh, if you would like uh, the youth to pray for you, as I would like them to pray for me, uh, why don't you join me up, up front, and then after they've walked by, we'll just have them just walk down and, and pray for us. After they've done that, then if you've got a physical ailment, something physical healing thing that you'd like them to pray for, um, after they've walked by and prayed for us, uh, then we can tell them what it is, and they can break in groups and, and just pray for us. Uh, so if that's, if that's you and you're interested in that, uh, why don't you come on up? Uh, if you're not interested in that, then bless you, go home, have a good time, or just stay where you are and, and observe. But uh, you come up if you want now, otherwise go and get coffee in the lobby. Bless you guys. Have a great day. Yeah, we'll stand this side. Uh, and, and then you just make a line here. And the youth, your youth, you can just wait for everybody to form up here, and then you can just go down and uh, just say whatever you want to say to anybody. And if you don't have anything to say, just... Pass by, you don't have to feel bad. So we'll have the youth go down the line, and then afterwards, we'll, uh, Jeff is going to organize the physical healing down the bottom. So I hope you guys are energized, because it looks like you're a lot of people that you have to say something to or pray to or do something to. All right, so you, go, you guys can follow Natasha as you go. Bless you. <laughs>